0: Thank you, Pastor. Awesome. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Pastor Danny, Pastor Patricia. Uh, You are such a blessing, and uh, we're praying for you. Greetings in the name of Jesus to all of you. It's great to be back. Thank you for allowing us to worship with you here in the house this morning. It has been a wonderful time. We did uh, have a a great time Friday night and Saturday. let my wife just say hello to you as well. Good morning. Lots of familiar faces out there. I remember some of you from before when we've been here and some of the couples that were here this weekend, but it's, when we come here now, we feel very comfortable. We feel like we're at home. You know, it's more than just knowing where the lady's bathroom is, but it's just the warm, welcoming, just, you kind of know your way around. You just feel comfortable. You feel at home. You see a lot of familiar, friendly faces, and you guys are just so blessed here to have this, this church, these pastors, even this beautiful facility that you have. And God's just going to use you all so much um, to reach your community, to bring others in. But just in your day-to-day walk as you go out, you're, you're taking what you're getting here and you're taking it back out. So that's doing what he's called us to do. Amen. He who finds a good wife finds a good thing. I'm a blessed man. I've got a great wife and uh, I am blessed Uh, to have her in my life helping me. She is definitely the epitome, definition of a helpmate. And she keeps me uh, in line, and she helps me, and she blesses my life. We do ministry uh, together. And uh, this morning, I want to pray God's abundant blessing upon you. Pray for you, Pastor Danny and Pastor Patricia, the seeds that you faithfully continue to sow and have sown into the work here, into the kingdom of God. And those seeds, some of already sprung forth, but there are seeds that have been in the ground a long time, that there's a great harvest coming forth. And I pray that supernatural abundant blessing on each one of you, your families, your businesses, your your marriages. God is opening the windows of heaven and pouring out blessings that you don't have room enough to contain. I want you to release your faith and, and believe God, no matter where you are or what may be going on, there is a blessing coming your way great and mighty blessings from the lord and i just pray that over every person lord we thank you lord that you have already blessed us with every spiritual blessing and lord the windows of heaven are open over those who serve you and those who are part of your family and i agree right now for the blessing of god to be poured out upon every person every family every business in jesus mighty name And everybody said, amen and amen. You can open up your Bibles to uh, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And if there was a favorite chapter in the Bible, if you could uh, list or identify your favorite chapter. And all the chapters and all the word of God is good because it's the word of God. But if I had to pick out one chapter in the Bible that was my favorite, I believe it would be this chapter in the middle of Romans, Romans chapter 8. And the reason being is in this chapter we find, particularly the verses that we're going to be focused on today that we'll be teaching from. And, and uh, while I, I'm a preacher today, I'm, I'm going to be doing some teaching because I believe the Lord wants to take a revelation that many of you may know, but he wants to take it deeper. And in these verses, in this chapter 8 of Romans, we find the very heart of God and the purpose of God. And when you understand this chapter, and particularly the verses we're going to look at, you really have the total revelation of them, it will become an anchor for your life, for your faith and here's why that's important because things happen in life and uh, in the last couple of years throughout the world things that nobody had on their radar happen, and and it's put stress in families stress in churches stresses in, in people's lives and and beyond that things just happen things that we don't understand, circumstances that we didn't plan on. And I was reading a, a, a story here a, a while back, and I, I thought it would be appropriate to open up this uh, message to kind of set the tone and prepare you for, for the word of the Lord uh, this morning. And uh, this is a, a letter that uh, a man had to write. He had, he's a bricklayer. And while he was lame, Brixie had a, a pretty bad accident, and so he filed a insurance claim, a workman's comp insurance claim. And when he filled out the original form, uh, when it asked for the, the reason, he said poor planning." And uh, as a result of that claim, uh, he got a letter and as, uh, from the insurance company, and he responded, and I'm going to read his letter that he wrote in response. He said, "I'm writing in response to your request for additional information in block three of the accident report form, which I put poor planning as the cause of my accident. You ask for a fuller explanation and I trust the following details will be sufficient. I'm a bricklayer by trade. And on the day of the accident, I was working alone on the roof of a new six-story building. When I completed my work, I found I had some bricks left over, which when weighed later were found to weigh 240 pounds. Rather than carry the bricks down by hand, I decided to lower them in a barrel by using a pulley, which was attached to the side of the building at the sixth floor. Securing the rope at the ground level, I went up to the roof, swung the barrel out, and loaded the bricks into it. Then I went down and untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure the slow descent of the 240 pounds of bricks. You'll note on the accident report form that my weight is 135 pounds. Due to my surprise at being jerked off the ground so suddenly, I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. Needless to say, I proceeded at a rapid rate up the side of the building, and in the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel, which was now proceeding downward at an equally impressive speed. This explains the fractured skull, minor abrasions, and the broken collarbone as listed in Section 3 of the accident report. Slowly, only slightly, I continued my rapid descent, not stopping until the fingers of my right hand were two knuckles deep in the pulley, which I mentioned in paragraph two of this correspondence. Fortunately, by this time, I had regained my presence of mind and was able to hold the rope in spite of the excruciating pain I was now beginning to experience. And approximately the same time, however, the barrel of bricks hit the ground at, at the, and the bottom of the barrel fell out. Now, devoid of the weight of the bricks, the barrel weight approximately 50 pounds I refer again back to my weight 134 135 pounds as you might imagine I began a rapid descent down the side of the building in the vicinity of the third floor I met the barrel coming up this accounts for the two fractured ankles broken tooth and severe lacerations of my legs and lower body here my luck began to change slightly The encounter with the barrel seemed to slow me enough to lessen my injuries when I fell into the pile of bricks, and fortunately only three vertebrae were broken. I'm sorry to report, however, as I lay there on the pile of bricks in pain, unable to move, and watching the empty barrel six stories above me, I again lost my composure and presence of mind and let go of the rope. As I lay there, watching the empty barrel on its journey on the way down onto me, this explains the two broken legs. Hopefully this explains your inquiry to my poor planning. (laughs) I want to know, have you ever felt like that guy in life? You don't know, you didn't know whether you're coming or you're going. You don't know whether you're going up or down. And in the middle of all of it, you're in excruciating pain. It may not be physical pain. It may be emotional pain. And you don't know whether to hold on or let go. It seems like your life is spiraling out of control. It seems like life is just an accident looking for a place to happen. Well, I've come today to give you some good news. We've got something better than insurance. We've got assurance. The blessed assurance of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who is with us, protecting us, helping us through it all. But why then do bad things happen? If God is this good God... And he's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. If he's the sovereign God that supposedly has everything under control, why do bad things happen? Trials and tribulations and sicknesses and, and disease, things that we don't understand, things that we don't have control of. Well, I've got good news for you. There is an answer And we're going to find it today in Romans chapter 8, and if you just stick with me for a a few moments as we read through this today, I think you're going to find some things that help you, and that you'll begin to see that there is a reason for things that happen. What is life all about, really, when you think about it? We're here for such a short time. Um... One day we all will die if the Lord tarries. And in that short time, how do we make sense of life? Well, at best, life is a puzzle. There are things that we just don't understand. Circumstances that just are hard to, to figure out. Well, the Bible says life is a mystery. The Bible says life is full of misery. Life, though, says it's full of magnificent. Life is full of mystery. Life is full of misery. Yet, life is filled with magnificent. And if you turn over to Romans chapter 8, we're going to begin to read in verse 28. And uh, several years ago, I read a book. There was a book a man wrote that was titled, Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? And that title kind of bothered me, Uh, and I'll tell you why. Uh, It's a question we all ask. In fact, I've preached a number of messages titled, Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People. I've wrote a mini book uh, with that title on it, but the reason I struggle or are bothered with that title is the Bible says there is no one good. None are good. No, not one. Jesus said the only good person is God. And so it gives this inference that somehow because we're good, bad things shouldn't happen to us. Well, the the premise of that statement is wrong. So I want to flip that around today and ask the question, why do good things happen to bad people? And I'm talking about you and me. <laughs> Turn to your person next, person next to you and say, is he calling me bad? <laughs> no, I'm just saying what the Bible said. You know, apart from Jesus, there, there, there's nothing good about us. There's none good, not one. They, we quote up here, our righteousness is as filthy rags. There's, there's not anything you can do to make yourself right or make yourself good. So, why do good things happen to bad people? And we're going to find here today as we begin to read the Word of God, how God begins to peel back the onion and give us a revelation of His magnificent grace. And the power of God that's in our life. He is going to give us an incredible sense here in the next 30 minutes or so. By the power and the Spirit of God, he's going to give us an incredible sense of all the things that are happening in our life and in the world around us. And we're going to discover this incredible, powerful grace of God that's available to us. And so in Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 28... Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Turn to the person next to you and say, get ready. Ask them, are you ready? (laughs) Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Now, these are verses probably everybody's quoted and many of you know, but I think we're going to see something greater and more uh, important in what God wants to say here. And it says, and we know... Everybody say no. And we know that all things work together for good. Work together for bad. Work together for trouble. I need some help. This, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a participation type pr- preacher. Just wake up the person next to you. We know that some things, a few things, all things, Even the bad things? (laughs) All things. All things. We know all things work together for good to those who are loved by God, who love God, and to those who are called according to his purpose. The first thing that I want you to see, and I want you to write this down, that we are, I am graced by God's purpose. I am graced, you are graced by God's purpose. This is the deep revelation there. I I turned the word grace into a verb. And I'm going to give you four truths here. We're going to go through four truths biblical truths, foundational truths that will help sort out this convoluted world that we live in. Some of you are here battling incredible circumstances. We've been praying for people who have struggles going on in their life. There's sicknesses and there's diseases and and there's tragedies and there's things that they're battling through. Some of you are here and today these four truths are going to help bring a foundation to where a a verse that you may have quoted now will become an anchor for your life, for your faith. This thing we know. I want to ask a question, do you know? Do you really know? See, unfortunately, all the world doesn't know, and most Christians don't really know that God is at work, that he has a purpose. This is what it says. He says that we know all things work together for good to those who love God. How many of you love God? To those who are called according to his purpose. See, God has a purpose for our life. It's his purpose. What's that purpose? Well, let's just read on. We'll see. For whom he foreknew He also predestined to conform, be conformed to the image of his son. There's God's divine purpose, to conform you to Jesus. Some of you, you've been wondering, what am I here for? What's my purpose? Well, what's his purpose for your life? To make you like Jesus. And then, as you become more like Jesus, then you carry out your mission on this earth which is to be a reflection of the glory of God. See, whatever your abilities, whatever your talent, whatever your trade is, that's just the means for you to fulfill the purpose that God has. Your, your purpose isn't to be a doctor or be a, a, a carpet layer or, or, or to be a, a pastor or be a, 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 a secretary or whatever. Whatever. Those are all things God gives you, gifts and abilities in order to to make a living and to be a blessing to your family. But he gives you those gifts and those abilities to open the door for you to be a reflection of his glory. As you are waiting on that patient, as you're checking that customer out, as you're talking to that client, are you reflecting the glory of God? Do you know? God has graced us with his divine purpose. That is a truth that cannot be taken away. And it says here, watch this, how how confident God is and how confident you can be. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Everybody say predestined. This is sometimes a theological term that everybody gets bogged down on. And you, you have all kinds of theologians and all kinds of debate over this word. Let me just clear a couple things up. God doesn't predestine anybody to hell. God's not even talking about lost people here. This application is to you and me. What's he predestined? Read it. He's predestined us to become like Jesus. Listen, if, G- if God said he's going to make us like Jesus, how many of you think he's going to make us like Jesus? <laughs> Some of you are a little harder nut to crack, but he's going to make you like Jesus. In the end, we're going to be like Jesus. <laughs> Do you know? I- I- I'm here to get, uh, bring you good news. You-, you may be battling, you may be struggling, you may have questions and things that are happening you cannot figure out and you're asking why, why, why? Well, God has a purpose. And we know, man, if you don't get anything else, just know this when you walk out of here. Whatever you're battling, whatever you're going through, God is going to work that thing together for good. God's not the problem. God's not causing the pain. God's not causing the issues. See, so, so often when something bad happens, And we don't understand it. And listen, there's lots of things happen. I don't understand the why. But I don't always need to understand the why. Because I have a full confidence. I'm fully persuaded that my God is able to turn that thing and work it for good. And he will. You can believe that. That's the anchor you can hold on to. When when you're falling down with the bricks coming your way. (laughs) And you don't know what to do, whether to let go or hold on. Hold on to God. For we know that God is working everything together for good. Number two, write this down. The first one is I'm graced with his purpose. Now, what you're going to see here is I like to do things that will help people remember what I'm teaching. So in each of these four truths, you're going to find a G word and a P word. So what was the G word in the first truth? Graced. And what was the P word? Purpose. Number two, the second truth that I am guided by God's providence. Everybody say guided. Providence. What's the word providence mean? You could put the word provision, in there, you could put the word divinity or divine in there. It's his divine providence. You could put foresight. See, God sees ahead and makes provision. He's got, do you know what? God has a plan. Can you believe that? And, and here, here's the here's the miracle of this thing. When God has a plan, He provides all the provision. He's already seen ahead. Watch this, everybody. Because you may be in a a place of famine right now and you're wondering what's, what's going on. Well, you just need to know that God will guide you by his divine providence. And so what we have to do is put our trust in the Lord and then allow him to direct our steps. There's all kinds of voices shouting at us. I mean, we carry our cell phones around and, and we open it up. And I'm telling you, most of the time the voices in there are demonic voices. Do you know that? <laughs> You know, there, there, there's some good places, uh, some good sites that have some encouraging word, but most of the times those don't just pop up. You've got you to go through about four or five pages to find them and get rid of about 20 ads that are trying to distract you and pull you another way. We, well, the point being, we've got voices coming at us from every direction. The question is, which voice are you going to follow? Jesus said, they said, my sheep know my voice, and do not, what, follow the voice of the stranger. Now, did you notice it doesn't say you don't hear the voice of the stranger? It says you don't follow the voice of the stranger. So you're not going to be able to shout out or shut out all of the voices that are clamoring at us. What you've got to do is be able to tune in and pick out the voice of the Lord. Now listen, God is talking to you. This is is not a transmitter problem, it's a receiver problem. And what we've got to do is tune our receiver into the voice of God. I'm amazed at how many people, you know, wonder, would God speak to me? If you're having trouble listening or hearing the voice of God... Take your Bible and just begin to read it. That's God speaking to you. And the reason you may not be able to hear his voice is you may not be reading his word enough. It's right there. God God is so gracious. God is so good that he is with us every step of the way. God never leaves you, never forsakes you. I'm so glad for the presence of God in this place and and as we sing and we worship and and, and we invite the presence of the Lord. You know the presence of the Lord is here. When we worship it's not about convincing God to come from heaven to, to join us. It's about us getting tuned into his presence. He's not the problem. We're the problem. And he's with us. I I declare, I'm guided by His divine providence in my life. That word providence can mean can also be defined or interpreted as shepherd. How many of you know that the Lord is our shepherd? He's the good shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lay down in the briars and the thorns and the, all the hard places. Well, that's the way we that's the way we act. No. He's the good shepherd. Listen, if you're getting poked with some, some sambers and, and, and you're just not following the shepherd. And so, some, sometimes we just got to wake up, and he understands that because he says, he makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside the turmoiled waters, the still waters. Listen, God wants to guide you by his divine providence. Why do good things happen to bad people? You know what the simple answer to this is? I'm going to spend 30 or 40 minutes here giving you some more information. But the simple answer, it's the grace of God. He blesses us with so many good things. And the bad things that happen and the circumstances that we can't control, and the situations we just don't understand. God's not causing those. The devil is causing those. We live in a fallen world. There are, there are tragic things happening. God's not out there stirring up hurricanes and tornadoes and looking for ways to, to destroy people's lives. It's a broken world. One day, the Bible says this world is still groaning. One day it will be redeemed. But until that, there are bacteria and there are viruses and, and it's groaning and stirring up storms and the devil is at work agitating and aggravating and what he wants to do is get your eyes off the, the Lord. He doesn't want you to hear where God is directing you, and what God has for you. He wants you to, to in the, in that pain and wallow in that disaster. Instead of looking up and crying out and then believing God to burn whatever that situation is into good. And he's going to guide you. He's the good shepherd. It says even, even when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. How many of you feel like you're in that valley? See, there's times in life, life Jesus isn't, isn't always a mountaintop experience. Praise God for the mountaintops. But there are valleys in our life, but here's the good news. Here's, here, here, here's what I want you to see, these, these foundational truths that were graced with God's purpose and were guided by his providence, that in that valley, he's with you. Don't stop, don't camp in the valley. I sit across the table, across the desk from people going through some pretty disastrous situations and what I find is often they just camp there and they wallow in it. And my heart goes out to them but at some point at the right time with the compassion of the Lord I say, listen, you gotta get back up and start walking because the way you get out of the valley is you keep going because that valley will become a mountaintop. And the Lord, if you'll cooperate, he's going to guide you up out of that valley to the mountaintop. And he's going to give provision. He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider, divine providence who sees ahead and makes provision for you. Listen, if you're following God's plan for your life, I can guarantee you that there's provision along that path for every need that you have. You see, Abraham, when God asked Abraham to bring Isaac before him, I mean... as a father, I don't know how Abraham, you know, I, I, I like to think I'm a man of faith, but I just don't know if I would have enough faith to take my son. And when God told him, hey, take your one and your only son. And it says Abraham got up early in the morning. That's the morning I probably would have slept in. But Abraham had a, a better perspective of God. Now watch this. Everybody say, God's my provider. Abraham began to walk up the mountainside. And as he walked up the mountainside, he got to a place where he was going to present Isaac. And and Abraham wasn't afraid at all. He knew God was going to raise him from the dead or do something. But here's what happened. When Abraham walked up that mountain, he got to a place where there was a thicket. And in that thick, it was what? A ram. Here's where we got the revelation. At that moment, Abraham says, Oh, Jehovah-Jireh, my provider. What would happen if Abraham didn't walk up that mountain? What if he would have tried to figure this thing out himself, didn't... Allow himself to be guided by the divine providence of God. I don't think he would have got to that provision. And I'm telling you, a lot of people aren't on the path that God has for them and they're in a the land of famine because they're not to the place of provision. What would have happened to Elijah? Watch this Elijah, he calls down fire from heaven and wipes out all the prophets of Baal. And how I many? He's the big guy in town at that moment. Everybody, boy. That's the, that's the guy. He's, he's got the real God. And all of a sudden, he gets fear on him. And he begins to run. And, and he doesn't know what to do. And he thinks he's the only one. And, and God says, you know, just go over here to the brook. And I'll take care of things. And Elijah went. And in this place, <laughs> Jehovah Jireh, who guides us, with his providence, flies in steak dinners every day, <laughs> cooked just the way you like them, And he's got bubbling sparkle purée water right there, all that he wants. God's provision in the middle of nowhere. What happens if Elijah just sits there under the tree, continue to cry and criticize and complain about God? See, some of you, you're in that place. I know you're in a hard place. I know you're hurting. I know it's thinking, oh, why me, God? Everybody else gets blessed. I don't get blessed. Why me, God? And God, God in his mercy is saying, oh, please, get up and get to the place that I have your provision. Do you know that brook dried up and those stakes quit flying in? And Elijah could have sat there and thought God forsake. Man, where are you now, God? But God said, no, go down to Zarephath. And I've got a little widow woman there. Now, if I'm Elijah, a little widow woman? What do you want me to go? I've got this. Elijah, just go down there. So Elijah goes down. And I don't know what's going through his mind, but he gets down and he knocks on the door. And he tells the widow woman, I want you to cook me up a dinner. I, can't, I don't know, I, I'm ready to die. I'm, I'm, I'm using the last of the, the flour I got and the last of the oil I mean. Well, you just cook a meal for, for me. The headline news in the Zarephath Daily Herald was, man of God takes the widow woman's last meal. But the woman obeys. And cooks him a meal. And out of that obedience, that widow woman had enough to feed, took her right out of famine. Jehovah Jireh. What am I saying? In the midst of famine, in the midst of disaster, God will guide you into his provision, his divine providence. Number three, Everybody still with me? Moving along. God is good. Turn to somebody and say, God is good. All the time? God is good. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? What things? The bad things. What shall we say to these things? Things that are happening. He said, if God be for us, who can be against us? Number three, I'm guarded by His power. The G word is guarded and the P word is power. We're talking about truths that when we understand what God is telling us here in Romans will anchor us in life and anchor us through the the disasters and through the floods and through the storms of life and for our faith to be able to come out on the other side victorious. We are guarded by his power. What then shall we say to these things? Listen, there are things that want to destroy you. There are things that want to wipe you out. There are things that want to tear you down. Pastor mentioned it. The devil wants to accuse you, beat you up of all the mistakes and things that that have happened to you that you've done wrong and and the disasters that you've gone through in life and these things just are... what, What are we going to say to these things? I've got good news for you. If God be for you, who can be against you? How many of you believe God is bigger than any problem? How many of you believe God is bigger than any disease? How many of you believe God is bigger than cancer? See, God is bigger than any problem. If God be for us, who can be against us? The greater one lives on the inside of us. It's time for believers to rise up and understand who they are in Christ. And even in the midst of the struggles of the world that we live in, there is a God that's living on the inside of us, that's going to guide us, that's going to guard us, that is going to grace us to be able to be the victorious witness that he wants us to be. See, God doesn't want the church to be some whipping, weeping little molly-cally get-by church. He's designed the church to be overcoming victorious. We had prayer this morning, and pastors were encouraging us that we need, as believers, to be bold as lions. I echo that. It's time to stand up. Not be arrogant, not be obnoxious. We we are filled with the love of God, but we are not going to back down from some worldly, demonic, force that's trying to intimidate us. Listen, there is no intimidation for those who understand this word. Uh, I, I would like to take time to, to, to talk about five questions that I'd like to ask the devil, but we're going to move on to number four. But sometime, look through there. You know, I, I just ask the devil, who, who can be against us? Who can be against me if God is for me? There's no intimidation. There's no condemnation. With those who are in Christ. This chapter starts out with this. Verse one, it says, Therefore, now, therefore, now, now what? Now that we're in Christ. See, Romans, all the time, Paul has got these, these, uh, transitional verses and transitional phrases. If you don't catch them, you miss it. You get wallowing in the wrong spot. He's got another one over in Romans chapter 3. It's Romans chapter 1, the end of it, and Romans chapter 2, he's talking about all of the, the, the problems that there are of sin and everything. But then he comes over to this statement and says, but now, now he comes to Romans and he does again, but now, now what? Now that we're in Christ, there is no condemnation. Number four, are you with me? Everybody say, I'm guarded by his power. There's no lack with God. There's no intimidation. There's no deprivation. There's no incrimination, no condemnation, and there's no separation. Number four, write this down. I'm gladdened by God's presence. What's the G? G. And what's the P? Presence. Let's read from verse 35 down to the end. And I'm going to bring this to a close here this morning. Verse 35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it's written, for your sake... We are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Again, in all these things, all these calamities, all these disasters, in this tribulation, in this distress, in this persecution, in the famine, the lack that you might be going through, in the nakedness, in the peril or the sword. Yet in all these things, We are what? Lift up your hand and declare, I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Don't forget the in Christ Jesus. You are a whipped dog in your own power and strength. You couldn't beat a flea, but in Christ, therefore now, you are more. You know what more than a conqueror is? You know, a conqueror would be pretty good. But what's more than a conquer? and I heard somebody tell this, and I, I I picked it up a long time ago, and I gave that person credit the first time, and then after that I owned it, and I can't remember who I heard it from now, so I own this story now. And, and it's kind of an old story because, as I tell you, the characters of it. Some of you will know who I'm talking about, some of you may not, but more than a conquer is like when uh, Muhammad Ali or... Joe Frazier or Mike Tyson, one of those heavyweight champions when they got into the ring and would fight for 15 rounds, battling the opponent, and then finally would knock out the opponent and win the heavyweight championship of the world, and he'd get the belt. And he was the victor, he was the conqueror. And those fight, those fighters make millions and millions of dollars, sometimes you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. And so they would give him the belt and they would give him the check for $100 million. And he would take that check and hand it over to his wife. The wife is more than a conqueror. (laughs) We are more than conquerors because Jesus took the punches. Jesus stepped into the ring and he defeated the devil and made a show of him openly. And then he turns around and he gives us the fruit of that victory every precious promise of god i'm gladded by his presence yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for i am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities or powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth and just in case i missed anything nor anything else will be able to separate us from the love of God. I'm gladdened by the presence of God. He's with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. I want you to think about, not only are we glorying in His presence, He actually takes up residence inside of us. Know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of the living God comes and lives inside these broken clay vessels? I'm totally amazed over and over again that my God would come and live on the inside of me. I know my weaknesses. I know my failures. I know my wickedness. Yet because of the love of God, He comes and He lives on the inside of us. And I can tell you, I'm fully persuaded, even in the midst of the greatest disappointments and the most biggest setbacks, I'm never separated from the love of God. Do you know something? God loves you as much as He's ever going to love you right this moment, There's nothing you can do to get God to love you anymore. And there's nothing you can do to get God to love you any less. Somebody ought to shout amen. Amen. (laughs) See, some some of us go through life, we're just struggling to try to get God and convince God to love us. And so a lot of the things we do, we do out of the wrong motives. What we're doing may not be bad, but the motive is not right. Paul says anything that's not done with the motive of love is like a clinging symbol. I want you to know the love of God is is engulfing you always. Even when you're in your darkest hour, He's with you. And God has sent me to tell you today no matter what the front page news is saying, no matter what you're hearing on the TV, no matter what reports you're getting from the doctor, the things that you're going through, the circumstances, you may be in famine. You may be in a a critical situation. There's nothing that can separate you from the, the love of God. Whatever you have that's causing you sorrow, whatever you're facing that's causing you discouragement. You need to know that God will never stop loving you. I want to I just give you a couple of things that these things cannot do. These disasters. What cancer can't do. What COVID can't do. What uh, bankruptcy can't do. What divorce can't do. These things can not cripple love. They can't stop the love of God. They They just can't. They can't shatter your hope. Cancer can't eat away your peace. COVID can't destroy your confidence. Tragedy cannot take friendship out of your life. Problems cannot shut out the great memories that you have. They can't silence the courage and boldness that we have as as believers in Jesus. Can't invade your soul. They can't steal eternal life. They can't quench the spirit of God. Cancer can't lessen the power of the resurrection of Christ. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is on the inside of us. This is how we limit the power of every giant that you face. Every problem, every obstacle that you ever come up against. Some of you are facing that giant, that Goliath. But I'm here to tell you, all you've got to do is pick up a smooth stone of God's grace, God's presence, God's goodness, God's provision. And in faith, you let that stone go. And that will become a guided missile that will bring the giant you're facing down. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Listen to me neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor death nor any created thing shall be able to separate you from the love of God close with this story it's a true story it's a, a, about Native Americans sirs. A tradition that many tribes of Native American tribes uh, used to have where a young boy would get to the age that he was going to be promoted to a brave, 12, 13 years old. The elders of the tribe would take that young man and usher him out into the woods, into the forest, deep into the woods. And they would draw a circle in the ground or take stones and make a small circle or broken branches and then they would place that young warrior in the middle of that circle and tell him you have to stay here all night long by yourself and then they would leave and darkness would begin to set in and this young boy would begin to hear the coyotes howl and all the noises of the forest and, and, and fear would try to, to come upon this as it would any young boy. All of the noises of, uh, uh, of the mountain lions growling and, and all of the, the noises that are out there. And I don't know if you've ever camped out at night in a, in a wilderness area, but uh, it can be pretty eerie. And, and so this young little boy is sitting there all by himself and, and, and it's pitch dark out, and he's hearing all these voices and he, as he begins to sit there and, and as any boy would he would begin to quiver and tremble and, and fear and imaginations would begin to run until finally about 2 o'clock in the morning he would fall off to sleep just out of exhaustion and finally morning would come and the young boy would wake up and the sun would be shining and he'd look up and there would be his father standing with a drawn bow who've been there all night protecting him. Let me tell you there's a circle. A circle of God's grace. A circle of God's love and Almighty God is standing out that side that circle watching over us. That no weapon formed against you can prosper. I want you to begin to declare the word of God over your life. I'm blessed coming, I'm blessed going. I'm blessed going up, I'm blessed going down. Even if I don't let go or I hold on, I'm blessed. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Because we have the power and presence of God in our life. So no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, We have an assurance of the presence of Almighty God who is with us, who will help us, who will guide us, who will direct us, who will take us from where we are, from the valley to the mountaintop. He will bring us into a place of victory. We're graced with His purpose. We're guided by His providence. We're guided by His power, and we're gladdened by His presence can you say amen are there bad things happening absolutely are there tragedies and tragic things yeah we live in a broken world but god has put us here in order to be a light And he wants to bring healing and restoration in your life. And I want everyone to bow your head for a moment.